0: y'all doing this morning? I don't know about you. I'm kind of goosebumps running up and down my arms right now. <laughs> I'm kind of excited. I, uh, I just want to thank God. I do. I want to thank him, thank him, thank him that our God has an ultimate plan that we're not here just floundering around. We have a God who loved us so much that he developed, convised, devised, put together an incredible plan for you and I a plan that cannot fail, will not fail. And guess what? He doesn't need our okay. It doesn't need our rubber stamp of okay for his plan. Our job is to give ourselves away, to trust him, trust him who put the plan together to follow after him so he guides us where we need to go. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about what God has done in this particular series and will continue to do. You were doing a series called Faith uncluttered, your faith uncluttered. And in this particular series, we wanted to one, make sure that we understood how easy it is to get off the mark, how easy it is to make minor issues, major issues, how easy it is to get conflicted and get deceived and have all those things happen to us that we're actually standing way out in left field and we think we're at the home plate. We actually took our bat way out to the outfield, and there's no reason to have a bat in the outfield. You can only use the bat at home plate. But sometimes when we get so confused, we forget exactly who we are and what we are. I just want to give you a clue today as we talk about this. Jesus is talking to Peter, and Peter tells Jesus who Jesus had asked the question, who do they say they are? And Jesus Peter says that you are the you are the Messiah. Jesus says on this rock, I will build. And here's the most important word in this particular sentence. He says, my church, my church, church, meaning ecclesia, meaning the gather together of people. And just a quick history. Whenever Rome conquered Greece, Greece had the most intelligent, most profound kind of culture in Greece at that particular time. So when the Romans, who were kind of barbarians, took over Greece, they didn't fill out the writings of the Greeks. They held on to them. And one of these particular words in there was ekklesia. Ekklesia, the word that has been transferred, or trans- transitioned to the word church in the Bible today. Well, ekklesia just means a, a gathering together of a group of people. So when the Romans took over See, the emperor or caesar wanted to make sure that the ecclesia would work for him so what he did was make sure that he gathered together enough people that they would be able to transform to tell the people to put out whatever his ideas were so whenever the ecclesia comes together its job is to Look at whoever the head is, make sure whatever the head is thinking or feeling, that information is transferred to the people. Is anybody hearing me today? So when Jesus says, this is my church, Jesus is using the term Ecclesia. And he's saying the purpose of the church is to take his concepts, his ideas, and make sure those are the things that are transformed, transferred to the people. That's our purpose. That's who we're supposed to be. We are the body of Christ. We are the ecclesia. We are the gathering who understands our Lord and Savior. And our job is to transfer or put that information into the world. That's our job. So the best way to do it is is the song we sang today. Give yourself away to him. Say, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Why? Because he will fill us with the information of how we're to interact with the world. He'll give us the direction of how we're supposed to speak to people and help people and interact with people. Satan knew that. So Satan immediately stepped in between those two things and severed that relationship. He tried to cut the head off from the body. So now we find ourselves somewhat struggling right now that we don't know what's supposed to lead us. So we're leading sometimes towards uh, uh, philosophies. We're leaning sometimes towards some kinds of ideologies that aren't supposed to lead us. Our job is to change those things. That's what this particular sermon series is about. Today, we wanted to talk about what we want to call the paradigm shift. The paradigm shift. When Jesus entered the world, when he came in the fullness of time, at just the perfect time, God sent his son into the world. For what reason? For a paradigm shift. The religious world was operating in a fashion that was no longer acceptable to God. So he sent his son with the purpose of being able to change that, to alter that, to shift them from what they were doing and then shift them back to what he had originally created us for what did he create us for to have this intimate organic relationship with him and then be able to share what he gives us love peace joy with everybody else that's what he did that's what he was supposed to do. that's what we're supposed to do so here's what i need you to do today i need you to Kind of go along with me today. Pray for me. Help me that I can make sure I can get this message over to you. But it's important that we understand. Number one, God is still on the throne. His plan will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. That's why Jesus came to fulfill everything. It's going to be fulfilled. I need you to have comfort in that. But more importantly, I need us to learn what our role is, what our position is as the church. What are we supposed to do in this particular time period? What are we supposed to be doing? So we can clear out all the clutter around our faith and then operate in our faith without fear, without doubt. Somebody say amen. So the paradigm shift says jesus came and disrupted the status quo he turned human values upside down can you imagine that when he did the sermon on the mount he boy he hit the how they say he hit the ball out the park why because he began to deal with all of these subject matters that already had their 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 definition sealed in the law but he took all of those things and made them go deeper Made him go deeper. So in Matthew chapter 5, he talks about all kinds of things like adultery. He says, no, it's not right for you to commit adultery, you know, uh, for you, on, on your sister or your brother. It's only important that you understand that even if you look at your sister or brother, you already committed adultery. Now, that's pretty bad. That's pretty. That's pretty tough. That makes 99.99% of society guilty of adultery. I, again, but why did he say that? He didn't say it for guilt purpose. He said it, how important it is for us to respect our brothers and our sisters. How important it is for us to have a true love for them. Boy, I sure hope y'all are hearing me today. So this paradigm shift begins. So let's go to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. We're going to read a couple of verses there in the amplified translation. And we're going to begin at verse 13. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you as you guide us today into your word. It says you. Now, this is what I like about the Bible. A preacher told me a long time ago, whenever you read the Bible, it's a mirror. So you see your reflection. You see your reflection. You can't read your, read the Bible for your wife. <laughs> you can't read the Bible for your husband. When it says you, you can't put your husband's name in or your wife's name. It says you. Somebody say amen. Yeah, I know that might hit home to some folks because we try to search out scriptures. We need our, we think our spouse needs, but the Bible speaks to us. But listen closely. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste or purpose, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and walked on by people when the walkways are wet and slippery. I come from Pennsylvania and in the wintertime it would snow and the salt trucks would be the first trucks out in the morning. And the salt trucks would spray salt all over the driveways, all over the streets. It was always smart to be up early to follow the salt trucks if you had to go to work because that salt would melt the snow. That salt would lay on the ground and give you traction that you can go forward. So that salt was used for its purpose. I need you to know it says we have a purpose. We are the salt of the earth. So we have a purpose. So let's read on. It says you are the light of Christ. Christ. To the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and the moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify who your father who is in heaven. So here we have two ingredients, salt, light, salt, light. These two ingredients are used to, to give us a profound spiritual understanding, salt, If it loses its saltiness, what purpose is there? You know, if you had salt that you put in your soup or salt that you put on your food and once you put it on there and you ate and you couldn't taste the salt, what would you do with that salt? You throw it away and go buy some new fresh start salt because you wanted it for the taste. Salt has that ability. So let's read this thing here. It says salt. Listen closely. It says we are to create thirst for things of God. And be a preserving influence in the world. That's what Saul is supposed to be. Preserving. Antiseptic. Fixing the problems that are in the world. That's what we're supposed to be. But listen to me, church. (laughs) If you have lost your way, how is it possible for you to guide somebody else? If you are no longer salt, then you cannot give flavoring, antiseptic preservance to anybody else. You can't do it, it's impossible. So we need to understand, are we still salt, church? Are we still salt? Or has something began to flavor us? Has something decided to integrate itself into us and change the fabric of what we're supposed to be? We are supposed to be connected to the head and whatever the head wants, that's what we're supposed to put into society as salt. Scares me sometimes when I hear Christians talk today about some of the stuff that they're talking about, some of the things that they're afraid of, some of the things that they're fearing. It's like they had been severed from the head and they're no longer salty. They're bitter, they're angry, and they're upset. And if you're bitter and you're angry and you're upset, then that's what you're going to share. Bitterness is not what God wants you to be. Is this making sense to anybody today? So let's read on a little bit. Let's talk about light. It says light, we are to radiate Jesus, who is the true light of the world. Again, my body... It's connected to my head, and my head tells my body what to do. Now, if you woke up this morning and your legs got out of bed before your mind told them to, you would call 911 because you know something is wrong. So, if Jesus is the head, are we doing what Jesus has called us to do? Because we, as light, are supposed to radiate Him. You know, my daughters. Brought me a little canister that has a light base on it. And inside this like little dome are these eagles. But you can't see the eagles until you turn the light on. Once you turn the light on, then that light radiates and it begins to show the eagles and the eagles look like they're flying. But if the light is not on, you can't see the eagles. If we are to radiate the light of Christ, if the light is not on, what do the people see? What do they understand? We're a light. We're supposed to be on the hilltop. We're supposed to direct them. They're supposed to be able to come to us. We're supposed to provide direction for them. If we don't do that, if we're not the light, then where do they go? Again, Satan stepped in and provided an alternate avenue for them to travel an avenue of fear, an avenue, avenue of condemnation. We need to fix it, but how can we? The only way we can is know that if we're supposed to be salt, we're supposed to be light, then we need to be restored. We need to go back to the position that we're supposed to be in. Let's go to another verse that will help us with this. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. This is the Amplified Translation. Conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders. I just want to step, stop for a second the word wisdom. It says conduct yourself with wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to unveil stuff that's confusing. Wisdom is the ability to give people deep insight to stuff that is confusing. Are y'all understanding me today? So wisdom has the ability to unveil things. But listen to me. You cannot share something you don't have. So church, our source of information, our source of direction comes from the B-I-B-L-E. So if you're believing something that's not in the Bible, then your source of direction is broken. So, wisdom. I'm supposed to conduct myself with wisdom in my interactions with others. So, I'm supposed to be able to unveil stuff for them. I'm supposed to be able to give them light. So, in society right now, there may be somebody that's lost and confused. I talked to a guy the other day and he shared with me his belief on a particular conspiracy theory concept that he had going on in his head. I couldn't leave him like that because I know. I know what God wants. I know the direction God wants us to go. So what did I do? I took the time to share with him what the Bible said. The Bible. And you know what he told me? I didn't know the Bible spoke on that particular subject. Okay, so hear me. He had faith in the conspiracy theory Because he did not have light that would illuminate Jesus through the Bible to give him direction. This comes about when we understand who we are. Do you believe you're the light? So this wisdom that you're supposed to have is supposed to help people. It's supposed to unveil darkness and confusion. We need to do this today. Because there's a lot of that stuff rampant. Let's read. Conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders, non-believers. Make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something precious. Let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant, seasoned with salt. So that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. Salt preserves. Gives taste to. It's an antiseptic. Anybody have salt put on a cut? Oh man, that's a a brutal way to provide some antiseptic. But it works. It works. Why? Because in the salt is this structure, this flavoring that is supposed to fix things and change things. We are to be the salt of the earth. That means we were placed in the earth to change it back to what God wants it to be. If we go into the earth and we let the earth or let the world change us, then we are no longer salt. We're no no longer worthy. We just get tossed Away, let's read another verse. I hope this is helping you today. It says, therefore, salt is what good. But if salt has become tasteless with what will it be seasoned? If we don't do what God calls us to do, who else is left? The church is the only entity in the earth that God speaks to. Why? Because we are his body. He's the only thing that, this head is the only thing to connect to this body. There is nothing else. So if we are not salt, if we lose our taste, then how, how do we get restructured? Listen again. It says, it is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. Do you see how important being salt is? Say, well, Pastor Ben, I believe I'm salt. Well, the best way to test it is to see how you are affecting the lives of other people. When you leave people, are they angry, mad, upset, confused, (laughs) angry? Or when you leave people, do they have joy, peace, kindness, contentment? Somebody say amen. Because if if, if they're not having any of that, then there's a problem. See, because salt preserves, salt gives taste to things. Are we still the salt? Or has our flavoring been stolen? It's important because this is what God is calling us to do. I... I really get caught up in this and I need y'all to know why. Because I'm looking at society. I'm looking at my brothers and sisters. I'm looking at people who are so lost right now, who are so confused right now, who are so broken right now, who have all of these affiliations or these allegiances to things that have no eternal value whatsoever. But the thing that is supposed to help them is also trapped the body of Christ has been infiltrated and it's been ripped apart and misguided is that we no longer stand in the position of salt and light. We stand in the position of being guided by the world. We are not supposed to be led by the world. We are supposed to lead them right now. <laughs> the tail is wagging the dog say, well, Pastor Ben, you being hard today. No, I'm being loving because I love you too much to see us swander this beautiful opportunity that God has given us. Right now in society, it's dark. Then let's be the light. Right now in society, things are running amok. Let's be the salt. Now, if you get confused on what the salt is supposed to be, Your B-I-B-L-E will guide you. We'll talk a little bit more about that this morning. Y'all okay? Are you sure? Okay, so let's go and talk a little bit about the light. Let's go to a verse in John chapter 8, verse 12. This is the Passion Translation. It says, Then Jesus said, "Hmm, I am light to the world, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light and they will never walk in darkness. I'm going to read it one more time because it's important. Then Jesus said, I am light to the world and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light and they will never walk in darkness. We all have lamps at home, right? We can buy the prettiest bulb or the biggest bulb with all the kind of illumination in the bulb, but if we never plug the lamp in, if we never plug the lamp in, there will be no light. So Jesus is the source. He is the light. And when we embrace him, what does he do? He lives in us and then begins to radiate itself through us. So then he is the light. But as we give ourselves away, as we bow down to him, as we give ourselves to him, we plug ourselves in to the source. And then it's no longer about us. It's about him living through us. Ephesians chapter five. Same thing. The passion translation. It says once your life was full of sins, darkness. But now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with him. Satan knew this, so he worked hard to make sure that he severed the union between you and Christ. So, what did he do? He injected idols. He injected certain things in there that would take the place of Christ in your life. Jesus has this wonderful conversation with a young man who wants to follow him, a rich young ruler. Jesus ultimately tells him, take everything you have, sell it, and then come and follow me. And the rich young ruler couldn't do it because there was something that he was attached to that was greater than the benefit he's seen of serving Christ. Why is this important? Because when you decide to serve Christ, everything, everything that you think is important takes a back seat to serving Christ. And then Christ takes everything that you will ever need and make sure you have it. He'll take everything that is of value for you and he'll make sure you have it. But you first have to give up everything. Everything because it's no longer about you. And then as you plug yourself into the source, that radiating light now shines through you and you run into somebody that's in darkness. What do you mean, Pastor, darkness? That means they're confused. That means they're being deceived. That means they're broken. That means all of those things are happening to them. And you as light begin to radiate. You turn on the light of Christ in their lives and you take them from guilt to no condemnation. You take them from being broken and lost to knowing that God will never leave them nor forsake them. You take them from this point and take them into this place that is light, but it has to come through you. But that means you have to benefit from it first. Let me read on. It says your mission (laughs) I can stop there because I just love that part. Your mission is to live as children flooded with his revelation light. Somebody say amen. That's your mission. Flooded. Now, you know what happens when something floods, right? When something floods, it no longer has any borders. It no longer has any restrictions. Water goes everywhere when it floods. We are supposed to be flooded with revelation light. Jesus is supposed to just shine right through us. Is it easy? No. But is it important? Yes. How does it begin? You have to quit. You have to die to you. To become this revelation light. This is our mission, brothers and sisters. Listen, we sing the song all the time. (laughs) The world needs Jesus. When will we realize the people need the Lord? They don't need my ideas. They don't need my ideology. They don't need that. They need Jesus. So my job is to become this flooded revelation light. Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared? See, Satan wants you to believe that there's something more important. That you're trying to protect something or keep something from happening you know it always amazes me that when the children of israel left egypt and they're out in the wilderness and there is absolutely nothing in the wilderness that they can hold on to that they can feel comfortable with because they're in a place that they can't read the road signs they're in a place that they can't shoot a azimuth to see which direction to go. They're in a place where they are totally dependent upon God who speaks through Moses to them. Guess what? He was leading them somewhere. He didn't take them to the wilderness to stay. He was taking them through the wilderness to the promised land. And I need you to know today, you are connected to God and his revelation light shines through you. So when you come across people who right now are so confused and broken and angry, angry, angry over stuff that is so unimportant. We need to be light for them. We can't get in the same boat. Well, it's my right. If you give yourself away, you ain't got no rights. I am a slave of Christ. Do slaves have rights? No. So it's, it's, it's my right. It's my right to serve Jesus. Jesus had a right. He wore a crown of thorns. He could have called 10,000 angels, but no He let them pound those crown of thorns into his head for you and I. So he gave up his right as the son of God. He gave up his right to initiate or to use all the power in all of the universe to change the circumstances. He gave up that right so he could serve you and I. And you must know we did not deserve that. And here we stand today, not willing to give up what we say is my right for the service of mankind. Did Jesus get rewarded? Yes. He went through that for the joy that was on the other side of the suffering. I'm here to tell you today, you ready to be the light? Oh, there may be some folks that won't like you. There may be some folks that won't, you know, they, (laughs) they're going to think you abandoned them but I need you to be the revelation light today. Read on Ephesians chapter five. And it says, and the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in you. And the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in you. What are those? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. There was a law case uh, a couple years ago where one pizza company said something about the other pizza company. And what they said about the other pizza company was a lie. So the pizza company who was lied on took the other pizza company to court. And in court, the lawyer for the pizza company who lied stood up in court and said, judge, that wasn't a lie. It was just puffering. The judge said, what? The lawyer said, it's just puffering. Meaning that it's really not a full lie. (laughs) It's only a partial lie. So we were just puffering this statement. Can I tell you something today, brothers and sisters? The, The truth has been attacked. Truth has been attacked. Let me say it one more time. Truth has been attacked. There's something out there called false That means you take a hood and you put it over the truth and then you speak out something that you think is important. I need you to know today. The truth is Jesus is still on the throne. The truth is that we win. The truth is that he's taken us to eternity. The truth is everything you see right now. Soon you will not see because God is guiding this movement. I need you to believe that today. But see, there are some folks are going to tell you, no, God can't be. How can God not be in charge? Whenever has God abandoned the throne and abandoned his children, his word says, I will not leave you nor will I forsake you. That is the truth. But just because we don't feel comfortable, who told you that feeling comfortable with scriptural? Our, our great witnesses are listed there because of their sufferings. How did they suffer? I'm not telling you you're supposed to starve to death. I'm telling you you're supposed to starve out hate. I'm telling you you're supposed to starve out fear. Even if it's in you, even if it's been a tradition in your family, starve it out. Because we are supposed to be revelation light. <laughs> we are supposed to illuminate what's in Christ. Goodness, kindness, gentleness, joy. When's the last time you felt joy? So the last time you felt goodness? Man, we've been so angry and so upset. It ain't even funny. Let me finish this thing. It says, then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. I. Your mission. How they say admission impossible, your mission, if you decide to accept it, (laughs) will be this. But this is your mission. Can I tell you a real quick secret as we get close, the closing? Christians, this is who we're supposed to be. No, we think being a Christian is a bumper sticker, a big old cross around our neck, being members of the church on the corner of walk and don't walk. You know, we think that's what being a Christian means, but guess what? Being a Christian means to be Christ-like and you can't do that without Christ. So that means you have to die. So when we sing the song, I give myself away. Who do you give yourself away to? Because you can give yourself away to. Stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with Christ. And therefore you'll reap the results of the fruit of that relationship. So right now, if you're angry, if you're upset, if you're fearful, if you're trying to work to change the direction of things, if you're doing all of that, something's wrong. Something is wrong because in the wilderness, you can't direct where you're going to go. Even when they heard the sound of Pharaoh's chariots coming down on them and they had no other place to go. What did God do? He caused the Red Sea to part. He brought in a east wind that blew the ground dry so they could walk across on dry land. I need you to know when God plans something, it gets fulfilled. Do you want to be part of his plan? Then you're going to, have to give yourself away. You can't fight this battle thinking you're doing what you're doing right now. Some of you are listening to me and you won't hear me because you have felt the disease of hate for so long. It's cut your ears off. This requires submitting one more verse. We're going to close for today. I pray God, this is helping you. Let's go to Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11. And it reads as follows. No one, would think of lighting a lamp and then hiding it in the basement where no one would benefit. Pretty straightforward, simple wisdom, isn't it? Have you ever done that? Hey, honey, turn the light on and then take it down in the basement so we can't see. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So if God makes us the light of the world, what do you think he wants us to do? Be the light of the world. But what light are we supposed to give? We're supposed to radiate him because he is the radiating light. No one would think of light in a lamp and then hiding it in the basement where no one would benefit. A lamp belongs on a lamp stand where all who enter may see its light. The eyes of your spirit allow Revelation light to enter into your being. When your heart is open, the light floods in heart open, heart open. They enter you. (laughs) Guess what? I don't care how this thing goes. It comes back to us dying to ourselves. Last week, we talked about self-indulgence. We talked about selfishness. This thing comes down to, do I want my light to shine or do I want the light of Christ to shine through me? Am I afraid to be his child? Am I afraid to let go of the reins of the situation that I think I'm controlling? Do I trust God That he knows what he's doing. Somebody say amen. Somebody told me the other day, God is mad. God is mad at America. Let me tell you something. God had reason to be mad at America starting in 1619. He didn't wait till now to get mad. He had reason to be mad then. He had reason to be mad all through the time that the Native Americans were committed. We committed genocide on the Native Americans. All of that stuff. He had reason to be angry then. God is not angry. God wants us to follow him. So he has given us an opportunity. He has given us time. For what reason? So those of us who have revelation light can be a lampstand. So we can stand on the hilltop and let others see this God loves us so much that he has given us mercy instead of what we deserve. This God who loves us so much has waited till this moment in time to begin to take us. The sea has split the confusion, the anger, all of that stuff has been split. A wind has dried the muddy earth that you can walk on it without sinking. God is doing that right now. We are supposed to be the light. It says when your heart is hard and closed, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. I don't know about you. I can't get any straightforward than that. You know, one of the things that really makes me heartbroken right now is the people with a, Mouth full of scripture and a heart full of hate. Want to try to show me how scriptural they are, how much of a believer they are, but everything that comes out of them is hate. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I need us to understand God has given us time to look into his word, to look into that mirror and see our reflection and determine I got to quit. I've got to give up. I got to bow down. The life I live no longer belongs to me. It belongs to him. Almost done. Open your heart and consider my words. Watch out that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation light. My God, I can dance on this one right now. If there hasn't been a a a, a, a tsunami, or you call that that big storm of opinions in society right now, I mean, just flooding everybody opinions. Everybody got an opinion. Don't confuse an opinion with Revelation light. Revelation light comes from the B-I-B-L-E. Your opinion only has power in your mind. It doesn't have power in mine because I'm not going to accept it. But if you accept somebody else's opinion as truth, then that opinion will then have power in your mind. Be careful what opinion you listen to. Jesus got an opinion. That's the one we should submit to. Almost done. If your spirit burns with light, fully illuminated, with no trace of darkness, you will be a shining lamp, reflecting rays of truth by the way you live. You know, sometimes the sermons are kind of sweet. And sometimes they just punch you in the chest. But hear me, whenever I preach, I preach to me first. So I heard this today and I got work to do. But I know you do too. So do me a favor this week. This very week, it's important. This very week, decide who you are plugged into. Because whatever you're plugged into, that's what you're going to radiate. I think the world has enough hate right now. I think it has enough division right now. I think it has enough poison right now. I don't think we need any more of that. I think what the world needs right now, how'd the song go? What the world needs now is love. (laughs) What the world needs now is love. So Jesus is that love. So go back to the beginning and I'll close. Ecclesia is the gathering. The gathering of people whose duty and job it is to transfer, transfer the desires and thoughts of the king to the people. Ecclesia is what we are as the church. So our job, our job is to transfer the thoughts, des- excuse me, desires of Christ to the people. That's our job as the ecclesia, as the church. That's our job. That's our mission. That's our purpose. So this week, determine who are you plugged into? Who and what are you really serving? I thank you for hanging out with us today. I pray God that this has been beneficial to you. We look forward to seeing you again next week. This series continues. The paradigm shift continues next week because we'll get a chance to go over what are called the Beatitudes, which your attitude should be as a follower of Christ. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.